The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, hey there. Welcome into another episode of the Story World Podcast. Steve Schramm here, my boy Al. What's up, man? Oh, you know, just enjoying this uh, fine evening. We've already had a banter for about an hour or so. So I think uh, we're all warmed up and ready to go. Yeah, we are. We're, we were just talking about how we need to start recording that because I think that's arguably more interesting than the actual podcast content. <laughs> it, it, probably, it probably is. It's probably much more confusing and shows a lot more about us than maybe we care to to show mm. ourselves. So, Yeah, 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 this is probably true. All right, well, we're talking in this episode about um, can stories ever be too big? And I thought maybe I would just take a second to sort of set up. I came up with this topic, so I'll, I'll kind of set up why. Well, um, before we get into that, this is also yeah. our last episode for a That's while. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Steve and I, we're going to go through the whole year, um, and we kind of almost made it, but um, this is our 41st episode, and after tonight, we're just done forever. Calling it quits. Mm. Yeah. No, nah. no, we'll come back. So Can't we're actually with a new baby coming for me, and then just with the end of the year and Thanksgiving, Christmas, and I think just having to do this, you know, you know, we do this every week and it's fun, but we're just going to take a little bit of time off and start fresh with the new year. So this is going to be our last one for a little bit and take a little breather yep. and come back stronger and better than ever. Yep, that's right. Uh, just a, I mean, it's ultimately only going to be a few weeks off, you know, we'll, yeah. so we'll, we'll publish this week and then uh, so just shy of a couple months off and we will still be publishing on the Substack. stack. Uh, correct. You still you still plan to write one next month, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Steve can talk a little bit more than. Than I can simply just because he's more familiar with the platform. But yes, yeah, Steve and I um, have the Story World Substack now, and actually, our we've both written kind of introduction posts. But then I kind of made my uh, first official post about uh, the fantastic world in the real world, which Steve says is a good read. So maybe it, it is, maybe it isn't. And uh, Steve will be coming out with one next week, and so I think that uh, we're going to kind of have a couple jam sessions over the next couple months, and hopefully, just have some better content and a little bit different ideas to output starting fresh in the new year and then keep growing mm -hmm. from there. So really exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah. Just to, to banter for just a minute about it. I, I think as I look back at the podcast that we've recorded, I think, um, I think we've covered not all, but we've covered a lot. We, you know, we've done sort of like the movie reviews and those are cool, but we've done a lot of sort of, as far as ideas go, we've done a lot of high level things. And I, I, I kind of predict that next season will be a lot more about, specific things for example issues that uh, alex is facing as he's working through writing his fiction book right or or maybe even just tossing back and forth on one of the ideas that we bring up in the in the Substack, like lasering laser focusing in on that topic uh for the podcast and um honestly trying to keep them i know we say this a lot but honest <laughs> to goodness trying to keep the <laughs> content of the podcast to the first 
20 to 25 minutes and then story of the week after that and then close it down from there just to keep it more listenable, more, you know, more engaging, more late again, laser focused rather than rambling. Alex is not a rambler, but I am. And so we got to kind of get that under control. And so I know I that and I know that Steve has probably said that every episode this year and half hour later, everyone's wondering why Steve is still going on. <laughs> but I, th- I think with this plan, I actually think that, um, I think we're going to stick to it. I think it's going to work really well. Kind of, I'm basically just reiterating what Steve said, but um, yeah, really focus on specific points, whether it's from one of the newsletters that we wrote or something we talked vaccine and just really dig in deep to it and, you know, hit it hard and um, go 20, 25 minutes. And then after that, it'll probably be more bantering. We'll talk about the story of the week, whatever other thoughts. And then hopefully we'll have some more um, extra bonus content and other material that we'll put out, whether it's on Substack or on this. And so I think that um, it's going to be one, a lot more even fun next year, but then two, a lot more um, in depth as well. So I think it's going to be a little bit of everything and um, just an additional bonus kind of bringing everyone in into maybe Steve's and I writing and work process and kind of, you know, welcoming you in and not necessarily being a part of it and making decisions, but being a part of it and kind of understanding our workflow and um, just kind of seeing the challenges that maybe we, we hit while we're working through things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think there's a really bright future. So excited about it. All right. So sorry, continue on with this episode. My man train. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am a very motivated individual. I consider myself to be a high achiever, which is a pretty far cry from what I was even back in like 2015. Right. So the, this, yeah, this, it's pretty crazy stuff, you know, pretty <laughs> wild. You know, I used to, um, anyway, used to sit around in my, in, if it, it, on a good day when I was working, I was sitting around in, in my underwear taking calls for um, the proflowers.com or wh- whatever it was, proflowers and cherries berries and operating a call center. That That's, that's, that's as good, that's as good as it ever got. Okay. Um, beyond that, I, I didn't do much, but then I started reading and uh, I talked about those stories before. So, so now, right, I, I've spent the last seven years, you know, building a business, the first five of those part-time while working full-time. And then the last two, um, by the grace of God, we've been full-time in the business and I've been supporting my family and, um, and working from there. And uh, I live in this tension between I, the way I've been calling it, just because it's really easy for everybody to understand, is I live in this tension between trying to be basically like Elon Musk versus a coal miner, right, for West Virginia, right? Uh, Elon Musk being the save the planet, you know, the future of humanity, live on battery power, go to Mars, you know, the All just, the cool yeah. Stuff. Yeah, there's there's a world to save, and by golly, I'm going to save it and change it with my business. And then, on the other hand, uh, slowing down, being content, realizing where my blessings come from, realize that if you look at my, frankly, my numbers, my, my revenue, my, uh, not only that, but just like how blessed we are even materially and, and not even materially, uh, or not just materially, but also family wise, et cetera. Um, I'm a very blessed individual and I should be content on a daily basis. And I think it's a, it's, I think it's legitimately a very good thing to just simply be content with where you are. So I've been thinking a lot lately about this idea of, well, what does it look like to be motivated to save the world on some days, but then on other days, realizing that you're happy with where you're at, you're, you feel blessed just to be at this point in life. And, um, 
and yeah, and, and as with any anything else, again, I, we're titling the episode "Can Stories Ever Be Too Big?" And um, and I think actually there might even I want to look it up here. There might even be some additional nuance to that. Yeah, How can you, I, from I, a, I wrote a high down level topic. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Really, well, yeah, it's so big and important. Yeah, I mean, can your stories and your ideas ever be too big? Is sort of the way that I framed it. And uh, there might even be some tie-in. And in fact, I think there really is to uh, to Alex's side. So anyway, I just wanted to set the topic up. That's kind of where I'm coming from with that piece of it. Yeah, I think um, it's it's funny. It's, we're kind of used to now. We've been doing this now for 40 episodes where right away the topic, I'm already looking at it from C's perspective then my fictional writing perspective, and then how it all relates to real life as well. That's kind of our three prongs to success there. Um, And so uh, from the perspective of life itself, um, one thing, Steve and I were actually talking about this a few weeks ago, um, maybe a few months ago now, but um, just the realization that um, uh, whether, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, that these are finite bodies and you have a finite life that you live and so honestly like when looking at real life yeah there there are some stories that are too big to do um you cannot you cannot pick up all your bags and move away and save the world somewhere while also being fully invested over here if you have a family you know there are priorities and there are just some stories that you might have to shelve some stories that are too big to tackle and some stories that are that are perfect that you should, you know, take on and enjoy. Um, so as far as real life, there's obviously a lot of applications to that. Then, of course, thinking about the fictional side of things, um, have a lot of thoughts on that, too. But as far as, um, you know, actually getting into, you know, is a fiction story, can you write a story that's too long or is that not possible? Yeah. And so a little bit, a little bit um, less serious tone there. Well, there's trade-offs, right? It's like yeah. I was... Um... I was listening, or rather, I was watching on YouTube a recent interview um, in the UK that Elon was just on. And I, we seem to talk about Elon a lot, but like, why not? I mean, he, he's he's pretty part of the world. The, yeah, he, he's the world. <laughs> big big piece of the world right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he was talking about how his seventy to eighty hour work weeks uh, post acquisition of Twitter are now for a season. 120 hour work weeks. Okay. Now, an 80 hour work week is still more than double my typical work week. Right. And a 120 hour work week, I like, I I don't think I knew that there were that many hours in a week. Right. So it's, it's really even hard to, um, frankly, to imagine what that looks like. But I, I think the point stands that it's for a season. Right. There are trade offs that you have to make. You know, it turns out if you acquire a, $44 $44 billion uh, investment that is losing money and you knew it was losing money from even before you started the negotiations for the deal. Turns out that requires a lot of work. Um, it's a good thing he doesn't have any like side businesses that he has going on in the Oh, that know? would be uh, that would be awful if he wasn't <laughs> trying to go to Mars and battery power Earth at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, so so it is I think there is, I've just been thinking about this. Can your stories, can your ideas, you know, can they be too big? Obviously you have trade-offs. You can't save the world and take care of your family um, at this, at the exact same time. I mean, obviously, you know, my wife and my family have been very understanding. They, they know that there were weeks where, yep, 13 to 15 hour days for a couple of weeks to get through this particular period 
is going to be necessary. They've fortunately given me the grace to do that. And then um, I, I, I can honestly say that I've had less of those times than I have of times where I've had more freedom, which is a blessing. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. Um, I Especially with, um, I'll probably switch into the, um, the fictional topic after this, but just one more note on kind of real life ideas and just and just time itself and making things too big um just with the new job that i've had since may one just uh just all around great place that i'm working for now with my day in and day out but um the being in a position now some people might love their job obviously elon hopefully loves what he does and he's putting in the hours but I, yeah. nothing is too long as long as it is a healthy balance in your life so right now i have a very healthy balance in my life with time constraints and what stories, if you will, that I want to establish in my life, stories of my family, stories at work, stories with my hobbies. And um, the the best story to tell is the one that is the most well-balanced and is, you know, as a Christian, is going to bring the most glory to God and help, you know, the place where you can do the best in every facet of your life. And even just more loosely speaking, it's our generally speaking, it's the one that's going to give you, you know, the most balance in your life, you know, the least stress, help provide for your family and just be the best person you can be. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Mormon, but there's a Mormon quote from a guy. I don't know his name, but um, I thought it was a great quote. It says that there's no success that can compensate for failure in the home. Yeah. And I truly, I truly believe that. Right. And I, and again, I mean, in my opinion, I'm, I'm as motivated as they come in terms of like, yeah, when I, I wake up, I'm like most, for the most part, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to sit in front of this dang computer for however long it takes and write or, or talk or just do whatever needs to do to, to drum up the business. And yet, you know, like for me, rest is intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes work. It's actually work to rest, but it's, it's the kind of work that leads to a successful family and a a you know wife and kids who respect you but also like you know they they yeah i mean they, they respect you for taking care of them but like it is possible to use that as an excuse to work all the time and what does it mean to take care of them if you never see them or or, or whatever and so what 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 i believe the lord just and we can wrap it up here and then go to the fiction side yep. what i believe the lord has really just been teaching me is about contentment and um Specifically, I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes. So actually, I uh, we just finished up in church. We finished up um, in our in our sort of small group Sunday school. We finished up a book that walked through it, and then I naturally came across it as the next thing in my in my Bible reading. And so for the past week or so, I've been um, in the wisdom books, but specifically, you know, looking at Ecclesiastes. And um, if if you're not familiar with it, it's basically the story of King Solomon. And the long and short of it is is King Solomon was basically the Elon Musk of the ancient world, um, right? I mean, the, you you couldn't have more right. than King Solomon had, and and you know what he found was that it was worth. You no, know, it was ultimately meaningless. And you know, at the end of the book, he says, you know, this is the conclusion of the whole matter: fear God and keep His commandments. Um, you know, just realizing that every blessing is from the Lord, and and that what that taught me was, no matter how hard I work, um, you know, I mean the 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 probabilities of becoming even an Elon um, <laughs> or a, or a Solomon in that, in this scenario are like so astronomical as to be utterly, utterly impossible. And I, frankly, I mean, given his home life scenarios, like I wouldn't want it. Right. And so realizing that to be at that level 
is not necessarily any more successful than to be at my level where I'm at right now, right? Like, like I, like I truly believe that right now I am as materially, emotionally, physically successful as like, like I could die happy. I mean, in that sense, yeah. right? Like I, I don't need anything more. And the big fundamental shift for me personally, as a Christian specifically was as soon as like, whenever I think about what I, me, what I have either accomplished or failed to accomplish, I get depressed. I think there's lack. I think, yeah. oh, I could use another, I need more clients. I need more money. I need more margin. You know, I need more profit or just, I need more stuff, whatever it is. But when I don't think that way and I think about how everything I have is actually um, a gift from God, then it becomes, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have all of this. Like yeah. all of this has been given to me to manage what in the world. And so, I guess from the real life perspective, the business perspective, what I came to is just this idea that um, I think living in that tension is okay. Because to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to save the world. In fact, I wrote this down. You don't have to save the world, but it's not necessarily a bad idea to try. Hmm. Um, I think, I think, you know, I was watching an old Steve Jobs town hall the other day from when he was like, when they brought him back into Apple, when Apple bought his company next. So this was in 1997. It was before the current CEO stepped down and he became the new CEO. It was just so fascinating to hear him as a visionary, like in 1997, talk about everything that was going to happen. And then here we are in 2023 and everything he said came true. Um, and like, you know, he laid the plan out and it happened and executed flawlessly based on his ideas. And I see things like that. And I think it's a good thing to change the world. Um, but never to do so at the expense of your own contentment, your own, you know, your family, making sure that in all that you do, you're pleasing the Lord and, and taking care of your family. So anyway, that's where I, that's where I come from on it. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've been thinking about, it's nothing new, but just really trying to apply to my life too. Um, you can look at it a different way too, if you're, if you're not a Christian, but especially from a Christian perspective, where at the end of the end of your life and you're and you're facing your Lord and Savior, I'd rather have him tell me, hey, listen, you know, you probably could have done a little bit more at your work. Maybe you could have done a little bit more in church, but you know what? You were like a really good dad and a really good father. You know, yeah. you made sure that you were there rather than the contrary where, you know what? You know, you'd spent so much time with that business. You were, you know, a good example there, a hard worker, but you kind of fell short with being there for your kids. So when it comes to tipping the scale, lean a little bit more towards the family aspect because that's your, that's, right. that's your number one priority. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Uh, let's get into it. So I guess the, the fun stuff starts now rather than the, yeah, uh, the right. heavy serious things. So, right. um, oh, Steve, that, that, those were your points. I thought that was a big introduction. So we knocked through Steve's points. Okay. Perfect. Oh yeah. No, that was, <laughs> see, I'm, see, look at me go. Right. Look at you, man. And under sub 20, man. Oh, man. Look at that, Steve. I, yep. Kudos to go. you. So we are getting to the good stuff. Now we're getting to your stuff. Now, no, no. we did the good stuff. Now it's Alex's stuff. Um, no, I'm, so, I'm at the opposite. Yeah, no, we're, yeah. we're just now getting into the good gotcha, stuff. I'm giving gotcha. you some credit, man. Come on. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, um, okay. So as far as um, storytelling in general, I guess, but um, even, but of course, fictional story for me. Um, is there such a thing as a story that's too big? Um, theoretically, no. And it kind of comes down to art being art. Um, there's actually a movie. It just hit me now. I didn't prep for this. So 
can't remember the name of it. I forget the director. forget how old it is. But there's a movie. I think it's something like. I'm going to be off. I don't know if it's 50 days, 100 days or 200 days, but it's a number of days long. And like then the trailer came out for it. The trailer was like two and a half days long or, or something, something weird like that. I forget what the new movie is about, but obviously it never like hit theaters or anything. But um, but people watched it like that. That's too long of a movie, but it, it isn't because it's still a movie. A story is a story. A movie is a movie. Just like a hole is a hole and a force is a force. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. It is what it is. So theoretically, like, no, a story cannot be too big. Practically, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but a story can be extremely big and still be practically, um, you know, readable and enjoyable um, or, you know, tellable if you're speaking it. So the the two constraints when it comes to writing is really it comes down to the writer, the output that the writer can do, and then the the reader, the consumption that the reader can do. So one example that I have here is uh, like the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and then Sanderson finished it up. That spans yeah. 14 books, 4.4 million words, which basically comes out to around 800, 850 pages of book across 14 books. And not only is that book not too long in fact um it's i think it's sold somewhere around like 100 million copies or something like that so right. not only is it not too long but i mean people gobble it up and you know people are fascinated with it and love it and reread it and reread it and so um that there it's just and there's other you know books that are even longer than that in series and whether it's historical or fictional where you can set up a a long story and in fact people seem to be drawn to those um i'm digging into more a little little treat i guess the first um newsletter they wrote for our Substack had to do, deal with the fantastic world and the real world and a lot of times the fantastic world can be a lot more interesting than the real world and um i think just the length of these stories can attest to that um so as far as the macro storytelling goes. So looking at it in the big landscape, I have my own kind of personal plans where I want to do some epic storytelling and have a set of plan of how I want it to all weave together. Um, so when it comes to that level of, you know, the length of a book or the length of a book series, I don't really think there is too long of a length as long as one, the author can finish it before he or she dies, you know, assuming a normal life. Um, that the skill of the writer is good enough to to kind of do that. And then, too, obviously, if the writer has enough time to write it, then readers are for sure going to have enough time to read it. And so since all of those are being the case, then no, there is no story too big as long as those criteria are met. Now, looking at the micro level, so say a specific chapter in a book or a specific character's background or even a specific story, um, that takes place in whatever book series you're reading or historical, um, you know, narrative that you're reading, then yes, of course, a specific story can be way drawn out. Um, so if there's a character's backstory, backstory is important to a length and there's limits. There's sometimes where you want to dig into it. Sometimes there's not. We'll go into it at some other future podcast or I'll write about it in the blog. But um, yeah, there are definitely times where you can definitely write too long of a story just because when it's uninteresting and important um, and other factors. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. No, essentially, there's no story that's too long to tell um, as long as it's, you know, 
interesting, it can be completed and consumed and, and enjoyed. So that's kind of my thoughts on the fiction side of things for the length of the story. Yeah, no, that that's good. I think the engagement is, um, it, yeah, it, it's limited. Honestly, it's limited by interest is, is a way to put it because mm -hmm. yeah. I, like some of the, um, there's a sales copywriter named Dan Kennedy who he's often made the point because people ask him, well, how long should your sales letter be? Mm -hmm. There's really no right answer. It, the answer is it's as long as you can keep somebody interested and reading for, I mean, that, that, yeah. I think he said the longest one that he's aware of and think about this think about a think about a like a sales <laughs> letter okay the purpose of this is you're reading it to be persuaded to buy a 49 pages long and it was a hit like it did wow, like yeah. it, it sold a bunch of stuff and and the fact is if you can keep people engaged which is harder than ever in this world um you know our attention is sort of divided to say the least so it's, it's, it's quite hard to keep someone's attention, but, but if you can, then that's gold. I wonder about from an ideological perspective, right? So I guess to, to hit Elon one more time, you've got, you know, this guy thinks we can go to Mars. Not only yeah. that, but he's built the craft to do it. And the plan is there. Yeah. And, you know, here we are, right? So it's, it's, it's almost like it's hard to imagine as a human being, a finite human being, it's hard to imagine an idea much bigger than literally conquering a new world um i guess i don't know how to ask this but i, I guess i'm wondering if there's an ideological limit to 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 the imagination i mean you know the question can stories or ideas ever be too big i mean obviously stories have the ability to transport you to another world do you think there's some sort of ideological limits or not really i'm glad you asked steven so <laughs> i uh Hi. reading the uh so writing my first uh, post that I did about the fantastic and the real world and kind of the differences and then the main similarity linking them together that um, I'm actually going to, I think, explore that even more on the next post that I'm going to do. And it's going to touch on, well, kind of where's that bridge and that gap between what is just purely fantastic and only exists in our minds and what we create in our imagination versus what is actually like theoretically possible to do so i would include even though we haven't done it yet like say taking a man flight to jupiter which is a uh, for all intents and purposes a dangerous planet to go to no one should really want to go there but <laughs> to say the least you're right but theoretically you know i guess it's realistic say a million years in the future with technology and all this and that yes you know okay humans could theoretically land there but um is that fantastic or is that actually a real thing that might happen and so obviously um you know there's going to be times where you just don't know like who knows if we'll ever be able to go to jupiter but um and so anyway I, that doesn't really directly answer your question but i think it just brings up more questions well, than, than answers you know, you know you know what i just thought of was, uh, just think of well that um we had a light version of this discussion back when we were talking about that movie that it's slipping my mind the, with the magicians, the movie with yeah, the magicians, the prestige, the prestige that Great the whole, movie. the whole, like the stuff with Tesla and everything sure. in that, in that movie is I think sort of the perfect example of that's testing. That's testing the limits of, of fiction. Um, I think because that's right there in that boundary between like it really wants to present itself in the real world, but you can't help but think that it jumped into the world of pure fantasy 
a little oh, bit yeah. if, if you've if you've seen that. An- another example is um well I guess I won't name anything specific. I'll say just about anything that breaks the fourth wall and story people, you should know what I'm talking about here, but, but you know, this is, this is the office. Um, Marvel does it a lot. Uh, Allie McBeal did it, you know, breaking the fourth wall where basically the character comes out of character and talks to you, the audience, like breaks the wall between you and the, between them and and the audience. Um, That is a way I think of testing the limits of, of, I don't know of reality in, in or of of fantasy or or whatever in a way because like there's a certain I don't know it loops you into the story in a different way that maybe sort of breaks that that category so I don't know that it answers the question or has anything to do with can stories be too big but I think it's at least worth thinking about you know and I think as um I think since we're in like the the information age and even you know further along than that I guess um that bridge you know if you have the fantastic world taking up 50% of the the pie of what goes on in people's imagination and the real world or what could become real, the other 50%, as technology continues to grow and our knowledge continues to expand, that slice of the pie that the fantastic world has that solely belongs in the fantastic world gets slow, that's slimmer and slimmer and slimmer as we yeah, right. get to realize new possibilities in the real world, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's just how it is. Um, well, look at the metaverse, right? I mean, the metaverse is another great exercise of this. Like at what point, at what point do you like, are you, are you putting glasses on to live in a, in a world in a screen where like you could have just walked out the front door and been in that world with people in your geographic area? Like at what point does that become like, what is more real? Um, so it quickly gets into some pretty big philosophical questions. I mean, if you're, it's almost like a loop, right? And, and honestly, maybe this is something to explore even from that, even from like the, the religious theistic angle. Um, but like if, if the best you can do, if like the best version of virtual reality is just actual reality, then why did we go virtual reality at all, right? Why didn't we just stay... <laughs> And it's like, and the argument for that could be, well, imagine if you could do the same things that you could do in physical reality while separated by 3,000 miles with a person. And that's something worth exploring. But it reminds me, to tie it back to business and then I'll shut up, it reminds me of the old parable of the businessman and the fisherman. And I'm not going to get all the details right, but the gist of it is, you know, the businessman is on a vacation in this small village where like basically the only thing you can do there is, is fish or whatever. And the businessman goes on and on about how that, how this guy, like he starts talking to this fisherman. He's like, Oh, you know what? You should start a fishery and you should hire people to, you know, run this fishery and you should da 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 da. And, and you should basically, you should build this empire of business. And the guy's like, well, what's the point? Like, what would I do at the end of all that? Well, he's like, well, yeah. So once you do all that, then you could just, spend your days doing nothing but, you know, just relaxing and fishing. And the and the, the guy's like, well, that's what I do right now already <laughs> without having doing all right. that stuff, right? It's like I'm already, I'm already living the life that I wanted. Why do I have to go do all these other things to, to have it? So it just, it just reminds me of that. So I think, I think the practical, yeah, I think there are those practical, like realistic limits that, um, really show up in the in you know when when you start asking big questions like this. Um, and I think from my perspective, those limits are a good thing. Little rabbit trail about the metaverse. Um, whether it's just the lack of 
I guess, um, tangible, like, a yeah, tangible payback or being able to see like anything from it. It seems like that is kind of off to a rough start from, from everything that I've seen. And it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah. I think, I think that at some point it'll catch on if not through Facebook's metaverse, through some type of integration like that. But it just doesn't seem like now's the time that people are really wanting that. Well, it's going to catch up. It's going to start in more practical ways. For example, there's a a pretty popular YouTuber, um, tech YouTuber, MKBHD. He posted a video. uh, Marquise Brownlee is his name. He posted a video uh, just a couple weeks ago of basically, like he had the virtual reality glasses on. And essentially what he did is he opened up his laptop on his desk and did whatever magic he had to do. And instantaneously there were six additional full size monitors that had information, real data from the laptop, like just as though you had six actual monitors that he could manipulate and put wherever he wanted to and move the information around or whatever, literally no different than if you had, the physical monitors in your room by just opening up a laptop and putting on the See, glasses. That's where those that's are where going to be start. popular is where it enhances your productivity or your business. Um, yep. I don't know where the line or the jump is going to be to people like living like in, in the metaverse together. Well, game that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think it's going to, I mean, I think it's, I think it's well, going to come gaming from is those already extremes. Like I, don't, I think you're going to have gamers and yeah. business people that get into it first, and then it's going to drift into the middle. That's kind of my my prediction. Well, the reason I say that is because that's the only two places I see it now. Well, I can, I can see that. As far as when it comes to video games, yes. When it comes to productivity, yes. I don't see where... Um, maybe I'm sounding like a boomer here. I don't know. But I, I just don't see the tangibleness of like, oh, mom and dad came home from work today, and now we're... Like, in the metaverse together like we're just gonna like do that for like you know like that's not where it's yeah. like a, where it's a daily thing i just don't see where that bridge comes together well and honestly i'm not so sure that that's the that's the point of it unless it was something like oh we're gonna do thanksgiving together as a family and like mom and dad live one place brother lives someplace because the family's grown mm-hmm. daughter lives someplace else you could literally have thanksgiving dinner in the metaverse together like i could see that sort of thing happening and i don't know that i could have seen that happening in a world before covid but like in a post-covid world where like people had to come as close to that as they possibly could have without that technology i could i could definitely see that happening yeah Yeah, it's it's it it, it's it will be more acceptable now to people who would never have thought to entertain it before i mean literally like and this is hard to because i'm a tech guy it's like hard for me to grasp but like i've read enough to i know it's true there are people who literally didn't know what zoom was or understand it before COVID. Like, as silly as it sounds to say because it's been around for so long, COVID put Zoom legitimately on the map. Um, And so, yeah, it, 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 like, it literally awakened people to a whole new world of working. So A whole new world. A whole new... Okay, that is where it stops. All right. All right, story <laughs> of the week. Um, I'll go ahead yep. and take it. Mine will be quick. Since it's so quick, I'm going to throw in a second bonus one, too. So... Mm-hmm. I listened to Steve and I were talking before about just like Joe Rogan podcast, um, the Lex podcast, and just a couple of people we watched on there. But um, this past week, I listened to one that had Kanye. I guess he changed his name. I, I just didn't know that because I'm not tuned in. Kanye, yay, Wes. Um, and it was just, I don't have too much to say on it, except that if you're kind of interested in a, kind of got into some fiery dialogue in it, 
um, and just some kind of weird views that Kanye has about stuff. But it's still when they talked about like um, Kanye's faith, like just very, um, very true to, you know, Jesus is a savior, you know, like he, he's nothing without him. And it's just, it's a, it, it just kind of a realization where, man, you're going to run into people of all walks in life. And even though they might be ideologically or religiously the same of you, just a totally different person that might have crazy ideas, or you might run into the vice versa, someone who has a totally fundamentally different world worldview than you, but you get along super well and you have the same interests and are pretty well grounded. And so, yeah, I don't have too much more to say about it. Just, it's a really interesting episode. If you're not familiar with the podcast, it's the Lex Friedman podcast, but if you are, it was, it was a really fun episode to check out. Second one, just something fun. I thought I was going to win the $2 billion lottery. I bought a few tickets and it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I had kind of shocked. I was expecting to win, but um, it just didn't Did happen. You, wait, did you name it and claim it? See, <laughs> if you, did, if you didn't write it down and say, thank you, Lord, for doing it first. Uh, yes. You didn't have a chance. I didn't. I should have. I prayed really hard, though. Does that count? It does not count. Actually. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, but, um, no. You have to, you have to, you have to. Uh, exercise your faith, not just pray as if you believe it. You see, okay, I messed up there. I'll try now. Try next lottery. Try it next time. But I am. It looks looks like for all intents and purposes, there's just one winner that won it all. Two billion dollars. Wow. You know. You know what. You know what's really sad. There's a like super high percentage chance that that person's life is like now ruined. Right. Like like yeah. like how yeah. many stories do you hear of people who win the lottery? And their lives are ruined because they didn't know how to handle it at all, like in the first place, you know. Anyway. Yeah, they just don't know how to handle it. it, it there's a lot of sad <laughs> stories for it. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's one of those. It's funny. I the, this is the only second time I've ever bought a lottery ticket in my life. First time, Brooke and I brought like when we first got married, like a one dollar thing just for the heck of it. And then this time, I was like, eh, two billion dollars, I'll give myself a shot. And so I actually didn't even purposely do it. I was right. in the gas station getting something for Brooke and I and. Someone ordered it ahead of me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's like it's a two billion now," and I got it. And it's one of those things where I'm looking at it, and I, I said, "I know I'm not going to win it, but someone's going to win it." You're like the people that exactly. won it, the people that won it yeah. said the same thing as me. You know, like like we're obviously not going to win it, but they won it, and so it's just one of those. It was a fun thing to get excited yeah. for no reason. Yep. No, I, I think I think that's yeah, that's that's cool. So speaking of faith. Um, my story yeah. of the week is actually sort of faith related as well. Um, and, uh, to be honest, I didn't plan to go this direction, but maybe we should, since this is our last podcast for the year, yeah. you know, Christmas coming up or whatever, obviously at this point, you know, no secrets here, like me and Alex are both very committed Christians and, um, maybe you're not like, maybe you're listening to this now or in the future or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't really buy it. Like Alex and Steve have some interesting stuff to say about business and fiction and story but like they can keep their religious stuff to themselves um or maybe you've just doubted like maybe you are a religious person and you've doubted in the past so um check out a website called talkaboutdoubts.com this is my story of the week um a guy named jonathan mcclatchy started it he's a colleague of mine and um um he uh, a, a lot of people that i know are are on there and essentially what it is, it's this website where Christians who are, uh, or just really anybody who's experiencing doubt as it relates to their faith can book a Zoom call. It's totally free. Go in there and book a Zoom call with a super duper smart person who is a subject matter expert in their field. 
And uh, for example, if you have doubts about, like, again, if you're a person who thinks whatever, evolution disproves Christianity or whatever, you know, you can legit go talk to a person who has a PhD in evolutionary biology and is a Christian, and they will have that conversation with you. Um, you know, if you're somebody who has doubts about the problem of evil, you know, I mean, you can literally go on there and talk to a philosopher who has a PhD in their discipline, is well-respected, um, who has thought through that problem and who is a Christian. And it's a fantastic ministry. It's an absolutely fantastic ministry. There's no pressure around it. I, for people who um, end up end up going through it, I think they even have like a continuation sort of program thing that you get looped into where they're doing like regular webinars um, and and training things that are really specific meant to address certain things. So, um, look, the reality is, is that, you know, uh, me and Alex both very, you know, feel very strongly about the fact that um, the Christian worldview is, 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 I mean, Christianity is just another way of saying the way the world really is, right? So we don't, it's not just like, oh, you're, you kind of, like your religious buffet, like you choose this God, you choose that God or whatever. Um, you know, we genuinely believe that there is a creator God. We believe that he manifested himself, um, not manifested himself, we believe he took on human flesh um, in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, we think there's really great historical evidence that Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, was not only crucified on the cross, died again, uh, died and rose again the third day, um, just like the Bible describes. And we think there's good historical evidence for that. And um, you will find that there are a lot of other smart people who really believe that as well. And so, a ministry like TalkAboutDoubts.com is a great place to go. It's literally, especially as we're coming up on Christmas time, you know, it's the most important decision that you or anyone could uh, ever make. And so at the very least, even if you don't believe it or whatever, right now, um, it's very serious. Like what you do with Jesus, there's a reason why like all religions sort of want to um, piggyback on Jesus in, in some way. Like all, even like, you know, Muslims and, and Mormons, and everybody wants something to do with Jesus uh, because of who he is. And um, there's something special about him. And I think what you do with Jesus, like, you, you can't be indifferent. There, if the Bible is true, then then there's no such thing as a person who will be ultimately indifferent about Jesus. You will you will you will take a position on on him one way or the other. And um, it's good to be informed if you take the position to either trust Jesus with your life or not to. And um, a ministry like Talk About Doubts could be a, extremely like I know these guys. If you trust me at all, you can take my word for it. These are it would be a very I can low trust pressure. You as far as I could throw you, Steve. <laughs> well, you couldn't throw me very far, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, but but you know these guys are very, you know, it's not going to be like a, these are really down to earth dudes. In fact, I disagree with them. In fact, on a lot of issues, they are they are probably far less. I'm not. I don't. I don't think I wouldn't consider myself like fundamentalist because I think it's a loaded term. But if I am fundamentalist, these guys are definitely not. Like most of the guys you're going to talk to on there are solid Christians, but um, I would even probably have my disagreements with them on a lot of things. And yet uh, they are believers. They believe the central claim that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is the savior of the world and the creator of the world. Um, if you think it sounds crazy, then talk about doubts.com. Go talk to some super smart people who happen to believe that. And uh, uh, based on the testimony of um, some that I know who have gone through it, I think you will be pleasantly surprised by the conversations. Yeah. Well, you were talking, I just looked that up a little bit and. Um... It's it's really interesting. It's a cool, simple idea. They have a nice setup, and that's really interesting. I didn't know that was out there. Yeah, from yeah. the from the just organizational perspective, of course, I saw it, and I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that?" It's right, you know, man. It's, and you it's, you uh, and I could have been the only people on there. Steve, just answering people, right? All day. I just, but, I mean, that would have been so fun. 
What's funny, I went down a little mini rabbit hole though. I was looking at the bottom. They have a list of people who were like involved in it, whatever. Yeah. And I found one who has his uh, PhD in, um, what does he have it? In astronomy from the University of Cambridge. And now I'm like, I saved his website and he has a podcast. So I'm going to start listening to him (laughs) because it's space stuff. Luke Barnes. Luke Barnes. Luke Barnes. Yeah. 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 Luke Barnes is a great. uh, Yeah. So that'll be good. Yep. Yep. Anyway. Cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So very. Um, yeah, very cool. At the very least, I, I like the um, um, J.P. Moreland, who is a philosopher of mind. Um, he once made a statement that uh, it, was, it was during a speaking event. He once made the statement that a lot of people falsely have the wrong idea that all the smart guys are not Christians, right? That, that, that basically atheists and agnostics have all the smart guys, and that's just patently not true. And, so, and, and I'll tell you, that was something that um, I just thought was... I just thought that that was a thing for so many years. That, yeah, like, me too. Smart. And me too. until, honestly, until you just get invested, whether it's through That's reading right. books or honestly, the most important thing is getting involved in a, uh, in a, in a church that actually like <laughs> promotes teaching and, and, you know, sound thought and, and everything like that. Cause I, and just being introduced to those kind of things, cause there are a lot of smart people out there. Mm-hmm. that are that are christians it does, doesn't surprise me but it it just yeah a lot of times yep. you think the other way but uh definitely not true yeah and uh william lane craig a pretty well-known christian um you know philosopher um he's made the statement that in recent years he's observed that physicists of all people are more open than that na- more open than ever to the reality of theism to the reality of there being the existence of God because they realize the limits of the physical world so well because it's their discipline. They they realize the limits of the world coming into existence out of out of nothing, right? They they realize they see the awe and the grandeur of the way creation functions and they're open to the idea that it didn't just happen this way because it looks so well designed. So yeah. um anyway, it's a uh Christianity is 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 the worldview for the smart guys. That's the way that I would put it. So well said. Any yep. uh, any advice or words of wisdom to wrap up this uh, first season of the podcast, Steve? Um, well, you know, I, I think just in general, I would say that stories are all around us. And um, that's kind of been, you know, this year has, has sort of been an exploration of that. I hope if nothing else, and maybe maybe you're stumbling across things and you listen to this, and this is the first episode of us you've ever listened to, and you're like, what are these crazy dudes talking about? Um, but go, but go back to the beginning and, and check out the yeah. podcast and, um, you'll, I think what you'll end up finding is the stories are just all around it. everywhere, everywhere you look, you know what I'm saying? Like everywhere. Every, yeah. Everywhere you look, there is, uh, there's a story that's either being told or waiting to be told. And, um, I think I, again, I'll go back to the thing that we said on the very first episode. I think that the world is full of stories because the world is based on a true story. And I believe that's the true story that, uh, that we do see in, uh, in Christianity. I, I just believe that. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to explore even more about the connection between the world of imagination, the world of um, business and, and, and marketing and the way that, that, that people think and the world of um, basically philosophy of religion. Like, you know, diving into all of those things is kind of what we do here. And we're going to, I think, take that even to the next level with the introduction of the Substack and, and the way that the podcast goes into next year. So I'm like super, super stoked about it. Yeah, um, more or less the same. I think um, 
one thing that's just been really great this past year is um, just listening to Steve about just the marketing and business side of things. And even though I had a general knowledge of everything like that, just the realization of how, um, um, how profound just those kind of teachings are to get, to get yourself to really realize how to promote yourself, whether it's, um, trying to do something like this, like on YouTube and getting a name for yourself so you can, you know, publish a book or whatever, but whether it's at your work or in your church or anywhere, just using those kind of fundamental principles to put yourself out there. And then in the grander scheme of things with story, um, I think we've said it before, but I mean, just take an interest in people and take an interest in yourself and, um, self-examine yourself and, you know, what story do you tell, you know, what, what story do you mm -hmm. see when you look at your life and what story do other people see and ask people what story they see when they look at you. Um, and yeah, more or less the same about just looking at the next year. I think, um, we got a lot done this year, just getting started next year. I just see a huge leap in what we're going to be outputting. And I think it's only yeah. going to go up from there. So I'm super excited. Well, and to close out here, I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention that I could say the very same thing. I've learned a lot from you, not only about how to think about stories, but um, practically speaking, I've started reading and even a little bit writing, but mostly reading some fiction of, of my own. I mean, I thanks to the talks and the stuff this year, I mean, I've I'm, I've made it through one Harry Potter book and two Lord of the Rings books and um, the whole Jurassic Park and um, um, about 20% of the way through the terminal list, uh, all, all fiction works. And before this year, um, I don't, I, I, I mean, other than what I was required to read in high school, which I hated every second of, I don't know that I've ever read a fiction book. So that's from, wow. from no fiction books to three, no that's four. Um, in in one year just sort of you know a lot thanks to thanks to you so it's uh it's tangibly shown up and helped mm -hmm. me in my life and uh if if nobody else got anything out of this year's podcast uh, i certainly got that so i'm glad at, that we'll at least there's two of us together. at least there's two of us all right all right Very steve good. yeah thank you my friend thank you uh my boy al thank you our boys and gals listeners um like share the podcast again coming back for season two uh, the beginning of next year, check out subs, uh, storyworld.substack.com to follow along with a couple things that we're going to be posting in between now and the end of the year. Yep. And um, thanks for coming along with us. See ya. Enjoy the holidays and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>